And what way do you have your coffee first thing in the morning? As quick as I can get it. Nescafe or lower or something into a cup. (laughs) (laughs) Honestly, the the machine's sitting there, but at that time in the morning, it's just the act of having to press a button on the machine is is far too much and wait for it to warm up and wait for it to pour. Just put the kettle on. It's horrible stuff. But It's it's part of my thing because I'm like, you know, like, do you get a coffee machine or would I just end up like using the mellow birds no, or so whatever I, I, I have? I like, I like the coffee machine. Right. But first thing in the morning, it's just too slow. Yeah. Um, it takes a while to boot up. Yeah. So if, if, if I'm coming up the, if I'm coming up the road, I usually, ah, this is why I keep bumping into you at Centra at Bambridge. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is the flipping go garage. The go garage. By the, by the time you hit the go garage, you've woke up enough to have the patience to wait for a machine yeah. to produce a coffee. I like that. And they generally have nice sausage rolls in there. So this this is why we keep having our, 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 our little soirees <laughs> in the morning at the filling station. Mate, the, that go garage is such such a wild card. There's so much going on it's, in there. But it's just a food. It's just food. Yeah, it's an eatery. They mm-hmm. describe themselves as an eatery. Mm-hmm. I'm like, where the hell am I? Oh, but it's just, it's, it's perfectly positioned. It is. And it's, it's really good. Yep, cheap diesel and a place where I can write in the morning. It's perfect. Cheap diesel and a bit of food. Yeah. Just at that point on the road where you're waking up enough to realize you need coffee and food. I have to admit though, like I have been dying because I get marketed by them every single day whenever I, you know, walk through their doors. They've got like a fast food chicken takeaway thing ha, now. Yeah, have they not sponsored Best Belfast yet? <laughs> they should. This is have like you a, not, have a you not approached them? opening segment. This is actually the ad roll. Nobody knows. <laughs> <laughs> have you not approached them and, and, and explained how many of your podcasts are written in there? And uh, you, you could be their poster boy. It's true. Well, my, my lifelong dream is to, you know, write the next Harry Potter and then forevermore get like free coffee and fried chicken from there because I'll be like, mate, I wrote this in your place. I'm going to tell I mean, everyone about surely, this. Surely like a big 20 foot high cut out of Matthew Thompson <laughs> at, the side, at the side of the A1 should be enough to do You'll it. just be getting egged, everyone who's like flying past every morning. Yeah, no, it is it is crazy though. Like it's such a such a hidden gem and so unexpected. I love whenever you like you get off somewhere and you know you're going for like something so es- essential and basic like a cup of coffee or you know literally use their toilet and you're like wow someone has put intentional thought into this place it's nice apple green's the reason i have no money (laughs) are you in the car a lot are you up and down yeah so i'm i'm in the car up and down i'm in the car i i I joke that i'm up down back and forward um but (laughs) that's true we'll get into that i have a i've a i've a mileage tracker which reliably informs that i'm I do about two and a half, three thousand mile a month. Um, oh my so goodness! I can tell you where's good for prices on diesel, um, mm. but generally the problem now is like it used to be you could go in, buy a tank of diesel, yeah, and drive on. Sure. Whereas everywhere you go into now, Frank and Honest is sitting there, <laughs> uh, Subway's sitting there. Um, like going going into the Apple Green on the way home from work is the most dangerous thing you can do. Like you go into Apple Green, you go into Apple Green hungry. It's so true though. Oh, you you come out having to phone Ulster Bank and seeing what they can give you as an overdraft. It's, it's so dangerous. It's brutal though because it's that, it's like, you know, they always say never go grocery shopping whenever you're hungry, but it, they need to extend that sage wisdom out to like, don't even stop for a pee whenever no, you're starving. No, no. <laughs> But odds are that's when you will stop. Mad. So whenever you, you know, anyone who has a business listening, well aware you can claim, I don't know what it is. Is it 40p a mile on your business? Up something to 10,000 like, miles? like that. I'm, I'm asking that like a question. I literally looked it up like yesterday because I was setting up a mileage tracker for myself. I'm wondering like, does that all, so when I worked for Deliveroo, it also applies for bicycle miles. So you can claim back. I can't remember what it was. I think it was like 10p a mile on your business expenses. What is it like with flying? Have you found a way to sneak <laughs> your air miles in there yet? <laughs> uh, if only it was that simple. Um, no, fortunately not. Um, it, it, no, if you, I suppose if you sat down and did the sums, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, miles per liter, it probably is very effective. Yeah. Um, but... Yeah, no, have never done those. HMRC, daft, daft, and caught on to it. Yeah, no, well, no, I'm just. You're not gonna I, like. I can just, I can just hear hear Erlaw jumping in the back of my head. Uh, aircraft cannot be used for hire or reward unless for flight instruction. So, um, I've never even got gone down that chain of thought. For it's just such a big no no. So you're not going to be gliding down the A1 anytime soon. Can't drive. Not intentionally, anyway. 
you'll be taking you'll be going into neutral to see if diesel that's about the height of the, the glide and you'll be doing Trend. so tell us where are we born and bred where's home uh born and bred a place called savile um it's just outside newry so between newry and Rufryland, um or you can draw a, a triangle from newry to bambridge and back over to Rufryland, and i'm smack bang in the middle nice. so the golden triangle the golden triangle <laughs> um great place very poor internet um, the awful internet yeah. shocking it's 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 like the place that, well not everywhere but just where i happen to be yeah seems to be the place the world forgot um it's the it's the very last house on the electricity line so oh, you always brother. get flickers it's the very last house on the phone line out of Rufryland, so you could never get uh, internet um the way it sits you barely get phone signal. Um, oh, no. You get a different network depending on which room in the house you're in. Uh, it's really, but it's good. It's it's a good spot. So, did you grow up? Actually, no. I'll hit you with the with the regular, right? What's the first thing you can remember, or if you throw your mind back, like what's some of the few early experiences that, that kind of pop up in your mind? Ah, oh, you definitely should have given me a heads up before asking me these. Um. I don't know. Um, I think if you go back, earliest memory or that sort of idea, to be honest, 90% of mine are all going to have some sort of circulation on farming. Um, <laughs> because, you know, you grew up in the countryside, only thing you wanted to do was go to the farm. Yeah. Um, so uh, running around fields, running about countryside, typical farmer kid no it's great that's sort of what i was digging for so i'm, I'm glad you delivered the goods there <laughs> often often like i like like to let people do whatever but i was kind of hoping you would take us in that direction like what was the, right this is dangerous yeah what was the first machine that you worked on <laughs> all right i suppose this is far enough yeah first machine Because I picture you, now correct me, right, fact check this, I picture you like not only having like all sorts of wee tiny like car tractors and stuff, but then also like going out and like actually like knocking about on some. Oh yeah. Um, I was always making things. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you were making, uh, you were getting old pieces of timber and plywood and stuff and making jumps for your bike and go-kart and you were always trying to, you know, you, you just sort of, a drain pipe and a couple of pieces of timber and you could have the best crack making uh, making a run for a few golf balls for an afternoon. <laughs> um, Machine-wise, it's a bit of a classic now. Um, it was a classic back then. Um, but we had a, we had what was called a mapro. Um, so it was, a, it was a loader that was really popular on farms uh, here. It was made... Uh, in the 80s or the 90s by a company in England they I don't know if they went burst or they sold out but they don't don't exist any longer um, but they made this machine which was kind of like a Land Rover Defender it was just so basic but so effective it was a tank yeah um, we had one we had it for years everybody you knew had one <laughs> you still see them on the roads now um, so first machine yeah you would you would it had a joystick so imagine a joystick like a I don't know, like a nearly like a games console. The yeah, whole thing yeah. was controlled through a joystick. Yeah. So you could you could, and I said very lightly, uh, you could drive it without touching the pedals. Um, now, when you talk about driving it, you were lifting the arm up or down. You were never yeah. really allowed to to actually start driving it. Sure, but yeah. yeah, that would have been the first one. Madness. And could everything could be like everything on it could be fixed with a bit of rope or cable tie. <laughs> you know, it was, it was that level of technology. So how do you? end up not becoming a mechanical engineer? Because you kind of have this kind of very, like, hardware side to you. Yeah. So how do you not end up, like, becoming a mechanic or, you know, mechanical engineer or something very hardware-y like that? Um, I loved making things. Yeah. I still do. Sure. Um, you've, you, you've seen our office. Um it's it's an or, it's an organized mess, but there's just there's <laughs> prototypes, there's pieces. We're making things all over the place. Um, yeah, that's very physical, but most things have a circuit board behind them. Yeah. Um, so, like, I always liked to make something, mm -hmm. but I liked wiring it up, getting lights on it. Yeah, 
I just always tended more down the route, the electrical route or the electronic route. Yeah. I would have built PCs and done networking and sort of taught myself to make up Ethernet cables from, from Burr, Burr, Burr connections, things like that. So I suppose that's how I ended up going down the route that I went down, yeah. um, which was even even once I was in a electronics or electrical course, I was still always going back to there's a hardware solution for this or there's mm-hmm. there's something physically that you... I was never a software person, yeah. hugely. Yeah. Like I could do whatever software I needed to do. Yeah, sure. But I preferred the physicalness of it. Yeah. So that's why... I've staunchly argued the world needs hardware. Um, You're talking through a microphone, there's a laptop on the table, that's all hardware. You know, we can't just go entirely software, so there's a place for it. But that's probably how I ended up going down that route instead of mechanical. Mm -hmm. Yes, liked making things like the physicality, but preferred having some way to give yourself a shock in it. <laughs> you like to live life on the edge like oh, that. Yeah. Oh, you yeah. wanted the ability to die in any given moment notice like that's uh, cool. You haven't you haven't lived <laughs> on, until you haven't lived until you've shocked yourself at a range of voltages. You know, you <laughs> you learn <laughs> you learn how far you can push it. Is it like uh taking psychedelics like every time you do it you learn something new about yourself? No. <laughs> You're forever changed as no, a person. No, I think you just say that hurts like hell. I'm not doing that again and then you go and do it 10 minutes later. <laughs> <laughs> Never intentional. Oh, brutal. So, you know, you, you mentioned the software world mm-hmm. and in an environment like we're in, in normal baths and I don't know, I just feel like the tech world in general, like it just seems like software, it's a software world, it feels like, as you've accurately pointed out, it's a software world that's run by hardware. Mm-hmm. But I have mates who are, you know, absolute whiz kids, you know, I've, I've a mate in particular and he's, a, he's an absolute space cadet. And I remember him telling me one time, and this is where I really started to take notice of what you were doing. He goes, I can't do hard words too hard. And I literally went, excuse me, what? Like, and I've seen so many like absolute brain boxes, you know, engineers, electrical engineers, software developers, literally be humbled by hardware. And one of the quotes that you sent through for today (laughs) was just simply hardware is hard. So like, give us a wee bit on that. Where do you start with hardware? Um, yes, there's a place for software. Yes, we need software. You know, hardware doesn't work without some sort of software or embedded software or firmware or, or whatever the case may be running on it. Um, but each goes hand in hand. Mm. Um, everybody talks about do it on the cloud. Well, what is the cloud? The cloud is a rake of servers running in a room somewhere. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, 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 yeah. That's inherent Deep hardware. Deep the bottom of Bill Gates' ocean, there's a, there's a, a room of hardware. <laughs> yeah, more or less. And there's, 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 there's a few schools of thought around sort of the sustainability of data centers. Could you place them in the ocean to reduce their cooling needs, to try and reduce the footprint of them? Yeah. You know, I heard, again, before last, you know, I heard, 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 heard a, a data point that um, the carbon footprint of a PDF is so many times, like talking in the context of a magazine, a PDF magazine yeah. has such a greater carbon footprint than the physical printed no, magazine. Brandon. Yeah, yeah. Seriously? Well, you take that PDF, that then has to go onto servers. Then servers have to be running all the time so you can access it at any point so at I, a given I, point in time. So I know a little bit of this because we did an interview with a class guy called Stephen Dunn from a company called Carbon Fit. And they're doing amazing stuff in that space as legislation is coming through all about like making businesses, you know, environmentally friendly and all that sort of stuff. But there is such a thing as a green podcast. And basically like what podcast companies are doing now is they're offsetting their carbon footprint because they've acknowledged here hosting this digital podcast. People don't realize huge environment. People don't realize the environmental impact that hosting has. Yeah. Um, so that's a big aspect of hardware is yeah. how much power is that hardware consuming? How how sustainable is the power that's going to power that hardware? That's a whole that's a whole route you can go down. But uh no, hardware hardware is a, hardware is hard is the quote that has been thrown around and there's the design aspect of it. Yeah. The guys who do that are they're wizards. Mm. Um, you know, people who do real analogue 
circuit design, FPGA design, things like that. Incredible. Blows my mind. Couldn't even start to look at it. I had to do VHDL wow. once. That was probably as much as I ever wanted to see of it. Um, so you've, you've that aspect of hardware design. You've the integration hardware. So getting one person's product to talk to another, getting a piece, to, all of that. Um, then there's the real operational side of it, which at the minute is a headache. Um, and that's supply chain. Mm. Just getting hardware. I was talking to somebody this morning who has tens of thousands of pounds of components on order, but they don't have a delivery date. Mad. Um, that's a real big issue that still exists. It's why... The lead time on cars is huge because yeah, the they classic can't, is they the can't car get chips, chips, isn't it? Yeah. They, yeah. Um, they're waiting on a bit of hardware. They're waiting on a bit of hardware. Um, everybody is waiting on a bit of hardware. We are waiting on bits of hardware <laughs> all over the place. Um, it's it's You're almost, at the minute you're doing a dance around availability of components. Um, you're redesigning boards to design a particular component out and substitute it for something that has a better lead time. And this is not a case of you know, swapping out rice for noodles no. in your, your Friday night home-cooked meal. Like, this is next level. That's It's headache-inducing stuff. Um, you can swap it, you know, you can completely change a design, swap a component, revalidate that design, find out it's fine, it works, get to the point of placing the order and discover that the p- component that you've swapped in now has an extended lead time and you're back to square one. Um there's going round in circles and then there's just tying yourself in knots. Um, <laughs> I think it's going to take years to fix. Yeah. Um, but yeah. just the, 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 the lead times on hardware alone justify that, that, that quote that hardware is hard. So I remember like a couple of weeks ago, we did an interview with, uh, what's the best way to pitch this guy? He's a trucker who's also an astrophysicist. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, we had this amazing moment in the conversation where he was like, did what you just did being a hardware man. He's like, you know, look at this microphone. Look at this cable. Look at this mic stand. Look at your soundproofing. Look at this glass. Look at these chairs. Look at this table. He was every single thing in this room was once on the back of a truck. <laughs> <laughs> And you know, even, now we know who holds the power. Yeah. But <laughs> even just hearing you speak there, like, you know, I have a digital business. I run a digital company. I'm in a digital world. We're all moving into the metaverse, blah, 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 blah. But we are in a very, very, very physical world. You know? Oh, yeah. And it's, it's, it's run by hardware, like you said. But, but throwing, throwing hardware into a startup just complicates things, silly things that maybe sound simple. But, you know, we hot desk in here. Yeah. Everybody in the Omo Bahams hot more or less hot desks. But if you've got hardware, yeah. where do you store your hardware? Where yeah. do you think leave things out at night? How do you how do you, how do you keep track of all of that? Um, just little logistical problems. So you've ever heard from there to huge technical problems around integration, having your software play nice with that hardware. Something gets swapped because of supply chain. You're maybe not told it gets swapped because of supply chain, and you're sitting trying to wonder, wondering why. Yeah. Uh, why you're not getting the performance you expected you were getting. Um, there's an awful lot, we have to do an awful lot of verification and validation and just quantifying performance all the time, just particularly at the minute, because you can sometimes just see see chips swapped without telling us, um, which has an impact then on what we do with our software. Absolutely. So it's good fun. So so let's go there then. What is machine eye? Tell us. <sighs> <laughs> uh, machine eye it nearly I do, there's so many I do, I do sympathize with you because like it's the worst thing it's like I'm trying to think of like what it's like but it's I think there's so much pressure put on the pitch of an entrepreneur that they're just kind of you feel like the, the need to have this perfectly crafted executed thing yeah you, so. you and you pitch it like you pitch it differently to different oh, people. Totally. Somebody, somebody who's really ingrained in the industry, you're yeah. going to pitch it entirely differently yeah. to, to somebody who's maybe never come across it. But we'll pitch it to me and me being my granny. <laughs> <laughs> well, basically, m- machine eye buzzword. It's a startup. Um, you know, we live here in Omo Baths. Um, we're building perception systems, so technology that allows. Uh, large mobile machines to see the world around them. Mm. So machines like diggers, like loading shovels, like forklifts, machines specifically that are used 
off-highway. So they're used in industry, they're used to move goods, they're used to move or shunt or doze materials. Um, we're effectively effectively trying to build the platform that makes those machines autonomous. Mm-hmm. So Tesla for tractors. If that's the buzzword you're looking. I know you've been waiting on that one. Um, <laughs> so it's, yeah, we're, we're, we're not just going the whole hog for autonomy. Um, yeah. Not at the minute anyway, but we're building the underlying technology to allow that to happen. So Yes, we've talked. There's hardware. Um, we've we've talked quite a bit about hardware, um, but actually, the hardware is just in the effectively enabling technology. Yeah. Um, what Machinei really is 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 its software, um, mm. and at its core is artificial intelligence um, AI. So we are designed specifically to function in these environments, to function in quarries, to function in ports, to function in farms, to function in manufacturing, places where there's really horrible environmental conditions. So there's dirt, there's dust, there's rain, there's bad light, all these different conditions that make it dangerous, make it difficult for conventional technology to work. Um, Things like radar, LIDAR have their place, but they sometimes sometimes struggle in these environments. Um, So with a system built specifically for that environment, with algorithms specifically built for that environment, um, it gives us a capability to actually function Mm. in that really difficult environment. Um, So Machina is a technology package that we can put onto these machines to give them the capabilities that you would see in autonomous cars. That's maybe a good way of describing it. Yeah. Um, what do we use that for? We use that to keep people safe. Mm-hmm. Um, there's an awful lot of accidents happen in this sector, in these businesses, in this industry. Um, and they often involve the machines that are being used. Sure. Um, you have these big machines that are 15, 20 ton they're moving about day in, day out. Pedestrians are mixing with them. Accidents happen. Yeah, well, on one clobber and you're done. Let's be real. Accidents happen. Yeah. Um, so we're taking that capability and we're using it to assist the drivers and assist the operators and assist the business owners with keeping everybody on the site safe. Mm-hmm. By doing that, you're making them safer businesses. Mm. So that has the potential to, well, it doesn't have the potential. It does reduce business risk. Yep. It protects those businesses. It potentially makes them easier to insure. Mm. Um, so there's there's a, there's a huge package of business benefits there. Yeah. Um, and long term then, you are starting to introduce some of those autonomous features um, down the line. But our focus at the minute is putting the technology in there and using it as a tool to reduce the risk in these businesses. And in terms of a product map, it's brilliant because you then can teach the software to do the rest of the stuff. Absolutely. Um, Autonomy won't be delivered by one business. Um, There's so many different functions to it. There's guidance, there's control, there's... um, there's the management of the machines. How does a fleet of autonomous machines interact with each other? All those things we take for granted as humans are all going to need significant development. Um, and there's lots of companies doing that really well already. So what you'll see is that one company will not provide all of the autonomous capability on these machines. One will provide one feature set, one will provide the other, and they'll all talk to each other. Mm. Um, so we're not saying that we're going to be the be-all, end-all yeah. for autonomy. We're saying that our speciality in that area is the sensing of the environment around the machines and taking action based on what we're seeing. That'll tie into somebody else's capability, which will all come together to produce this 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 machine. Um, it's so it's but it's it's common. Um, do you know if you if you drive down the road this evening, you'll see you know you'll see fields, you'll see tractors operating in them. 
what a lot of people don't appreciate is that a lot of those tractors are all operating to a high degree of semi-autonomy already. Mm -hmm. So they'll have GPS receivers, they'll have control systems. Yes, there'll be an operator in the seat, but they'll generally be guided by a satellite for precision application or to make sure there's no overlap in the field um, or for just driver assistance. So that capability is already coming into the machines. Yeah. And over the next few years, you talk about roadmap, you're going to see the roadmap for those machines remove the responsibility from the operator or remove the need from the operator more and more. So um, we're, we're trying to align ourselves to that roadmap. It's very cool. It's a little bit like flying in some regards. There's a lot of things that assist the pilot versus... If you go back, you know, 50 years ago where the guy's just turning the keys in the ignition. Yeah, well, it's, it's, it's evolution as development. You'll, you'll, see, you'll see autonomous machines in industry long before you'll see cars on the road, you know, because it's, it, they're fixed conditions. They're more controlled conditions. Um, there's already an inherent level of semi-autonomy or assistive technology there yep. already. Assistive is probably a better term for it. Um, we would call ourselves an assistive technology. Mm-hmm. We're there to assist the operator. We're there to assist the people on the ground. We're there to assist the person who owns the business. Um, so it's the direction it's going, and you'll probably see it in those sort of conditions. You know, there's there's less barriers to acceptance of an autonomous pick a machine digger in a quarry yeah. than there is to an autonomous car Absolutely. on the A1. Um, you can see how one could maybe maybe get out there a wee bit sooner than the other. Yeah, yeah, definitely. How did you start? What's your origin story? What set you on the path? It's a very long silence. That's um, what the show's all about. You can cut that bit. I remember interviewing some people. No, not a lie. I interviewed one person in particular who paused about 10 seconds in between each question and I just left it in because I'm like, that that was kind of unique. And I had loads of people messaging me saying like, hey, not my phone had died. I was out for no, a cycle. Matthew, that's and just, I that's thought just, that's like... just lazy editing. That's just lazy editing. That's all that is. Um, the, it started, started in university and it started with what were called design exercises. Um, so a design exercise, we were given a task, introduced to a concept in software and told, make it work. And the one that we did was for computer vision. So it was to, to, I suppose, dip your toes into what computer vision is and what it's capable of doing. And it started with, um, colored cards. So we, we had to write a little bit of software that could use a webcam to look at a room. We had two cards. I think mine were green and orange. <laughs> Don't know how that was. <laughs> <It's> just... <laughs> Sorry. Sorry, go ahead. Um, that's funny now, yeah. Never <laughs> never spotted that before. Um, I'm a big child. I apologize. So <laughs> we're given two colored cards. Yeah. And you had the right software, which could use the webcam to tell you which card was which color, mm-hmm. regardless of where you moved it in front of the webcam, and to tell you the distance to the card from the webcam. Um, so you could apply trigonometry, you could, you know, knowing the size of the card, it was very easy to work out how far away it was. So we did that anyway, but you sort of got a brainwave there and you said, right, if this, and at that stage with very little exposure to computer vision. So if you'd with hindsight, you know, somebody had probably, there was probably a lot of reference on the internet, but at that stage, you never even thought of going to the internet. Um, if that can spot cards and measure the distance of a card from the webcam, surely it could measure the distance of a person. If you could measure the distance of a person, there's a hell of a lot of things you could do here. Yeah. Um, and then being a big culture, the first thing you think of is, Oh, you could do a lot in farms with that. Yeah. Um, so sort of toyed with the idea, sat, put it on the back burner. Fast forward another couple of years of the course. Um, one of the, the, the final exercises or the final big projects we had to do was what uh, they called engineering entrepreneurship. So it was effectively, it was a business module 
Um, you was crash course into everything you needed to know roughly about business to to float along as an engineer in industry um, so that you weren't just 100% technical. You at least knew what a P&L was. You knew what a business plan was. You maybe weren't the best in the world at writing them, but you knew what they were Yeah, you get the concept. It's on your you got the concept, belt. so if it ever ended up on your desk, well, you could read up on it. But brilliant module. Really, really good fun. You know, you you came up with an idea. You came up with a business to go with it. You had to demonstrate that the technology actually worked. So if you didn't have a prototype, bye-bye. Um, but you had to also build the supporting business plan, the supporting projections, everything that went with it. Um, and pitch it Dragon's Den style as the assessment for the course. Um, great crack. Um, totally different. Everybody loved it. We knew the whole way up through the course that it was coming. It was the sort of thing everybody talked uh, about yeah, each yeah, year. Yeah. Oh, just wait till you get to that module. Yeah, it was sort of, yeah, it was the module everybody liked doing. Um, so, yeah, walked into it. Didn't really have much of an idea what we were going to do. Computer vision propped up and look, it, it went from there. Um that's probably a good way of putting it. Um, so, you know, developed up a prototype. It got a bit of interest, got a bit of traction, said, okay, right, well, we'll take the summer at it. Um, entered a couple of pitching competitions, things like that. Then started to realize this could actually be technology that could make make an impact or have an effect. This is worth building out. And... Uh, Look, it just grew legs. It went from there. As I said, it was a bit of crack. <laughs> Can you uh, myth bust something for me? No guarantees. I like the honesty. See, whenever I'm, I don't even know what I would be doing, creating a new account somewhere or logging on somewhere and the wee Google Capture thing pops up and it's like, uh, select and it's the always the most obscure thing. Select Three the trials lights, that road have signs, taxis buses. in them yeah. or bicycles. Is it true that by me doing that, I'm training AI to recognize those things? Yeah, yeah. You're you're training. It's why it always asks you to identify traffic lights. Why it always identify road signs, buses, other vehicles. Um, you're you're becoming a ver- you're ver- verifying um, algorithms and verifying. Um, Google, I think it's actually Google's self-driving algorithms because um, that's one of the huge challenges of computer vision is annotation. Mm. AI is great, but it has to be trained in the first instance. And right. if you're trying to train for, uh, in that case, on-road, you look at how many edge cases, how many you know different scenarios exist on a road, so that's why you need to throw, and I, I don't even know if there's any figures at it, but you know, how many captures does Google put out in a single day? That's how many people you're throwing at it. It's got to be the greatest outsourcing project ever. It's, do you ever to remember Amaz- humanity? Do you ever remember the Mechanical Turk? Yes, Amazon. That, that's all it is. You're you're a Mechanical Turk for Google. <laughs> but we 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 all want to get to what's behind that capture, so we're all happy to do it. It's yeah. a it's a brilliant idea. Yeah, it's very, very smart. Interesting. So what's it been like for you getting a team? You know, it's, it's one... It's been fun. It's one thing... It's one thing working yourself. It's another thing having other people oh, totally work alongside different. you. Totally different. Totally yeah. um, different. And I generally... I generally always work by myself. Sure. So having a team, having responsibility for people, having... That duty of care to your team, yeah, that's that's all a new concept and it's all a learning curve and it's all very strange. It's still very strange. Um, changing from a solo act to a team act mm-hmm. doesn't come without difficulties. Oh, man. Um, but you're you're nearly learning as you go. Um, but it's been good fun. We have a great team around us, so that makes life very easy. It's awesome. Really good people, so I love that, that makes life. I love your team. They're good crack. Get any work done because you're in having the crack with them. 
you should see what it's like when you're not there. We're just in there, <laughs> pints every single lunchtime. <laughs> that's um, that's where that's coming from, right? Okay. <laughs> yeah, you need to cut me, cut me out of your life. Uh, this real, would be going I, much better. I, I never joined the dots that you know chaos ensues the days that you're in. <laughs> Makes sense now. What is like? What are you guys currently working on? Or maybe a better way to put that is like, what are you currently working towards? Like what's something that once you kind of like get to, surpass, implement, choose your buzzword, are you going to be like, yes, now we'll move on to the next thing? Mm. I think the big phrase that I always use with everybody at the minute, like when we have our uh, when we have our team meetings, when we're chatting, I think the phrase that always keeps coming up is, is execute. Mm-hmm. What we really are focused on at the minute is getting more systems more people mm-hmm. that creates lots of little milestones um, so whether that milestone is so that's like getting your stuff on more machines exactly okay exactly did you ever see Bob the Builder when you were growing up yeah yeah. Uh, you know the big digger with the big eyes <laughs> <laughs> that's in my head that's, this is how my head works I'm like you know Brandon's putting eyes on diggers and he's also giving them brains <sighs> but that's what you want you want more more vehicles. Do you want to come in and do marketing for us? Yeah, yeah, bro. I'll be head. I'll be head of content. <laughs> easy peasy, man. Easy uh, peasy. So you just want you want more machines to be basically using your hardware and running your software. Basically, basically, we're making intelligent machines. And what's really great about the way, well, what's what's really great about our system is that it doesn't need a new machine. We can go out and retrofit it to something that's already out there. That's so true. Yeah. Um, so you're taking machines, you're fitting this kit to them, you're making them into a more intelligent machine, mm-hmm. um, and you're getting all the benefits that come from that. So our focus at the moment is delivering those units onto those machines, getting people up to speed with them, getting new users in. We take a lot of feedback. Um, you'll have seen people in the office with us here in the past who are users coming in for a feedback session. Yeah. Um, do you know, we're we're very focused on just going through that loop of um, getting somebody using our product, getting their feedback, reiterating, analyzing the data, whatever the case may be, and making sure that there's lots and lots of happy people happy with what they have from us. So those are the, I suppose, those are the big yeses whenever we, we have somebody who's pleased with what we have, when we have somebody who's, um, you know, the, the data has, has hit a milestone or the performance has hit a milestone. Um, like, it's still early days. Sure. But we've very much shifted from that R&D focus to that delivery focus. Mm-hmm. Um, everybody's really sort of changing their focus that way and that's where we're seeing the milestones and where we're seeing the seeing the big wins. That's cool. And like if you were to play the profit for a second, what do you think is the most likely path? Like do you think it's going to be that you get enough data and enough case studies built up and then all of a sudden you can rock up to big construction PLC and they'll be like, yeah, sure, we'll put this on our entire fleet of whatever machine. Or do you think it's going to be more of like a slow build, like you'll gradually, you know, extend the amount of machines you're on and then people will start putting more on their machines and different types of machines. What way do you think you'll kind of scale it? Tough to know, probably. You could go either way. There's loads of different directions you could go. I think... Different directions would be dictated by your aspirations for so, the business. So, so, le- so le- do you want? You're to an be- excellent interviewer, Brandon. What are your aspirations <laughs> for the business? Um, <laughs> look, you, 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 you could have, depending on the day of the week or depending on what's going on, you could have different aspirations for it. That's true. Um, you know, on one hand, you may, for instance. That's only a for instance. Sure. Want to blitz scale, you know, go go back to your startup buzzwords, blitz scale, grow the business massively in a short space of time, yeah. sell it off to somebody else and head away off for a holiday in the sun. Yeah. Or on the other hand, you may want to actually have organic growth, big footprint, local business growing sustainably here for the long term. You know, it becomes, uh, you know, a real stalwart or a real anchored business. You could go that way. Mm-hmm. Um, 
what way we want to go. Um, watch, watch this space. <laughs> sure, yeah. Like you said, it changes, you know, and changes all the time. Cool, let's go in a different direction because there's a lot, lots to cover. What is flamping? <laughs> oh, I forgot I told you that one day. <laughs> <laughs> People need to be careful what they share with me at the water cooler, you know, because it comes back See, to bite this them. Is, this is the problem with you living in our office. You pick up far too many things and can use can use them against oh, people. I'm like yeah. the wee the wee microphone on the wall, the wee fly on the wall. Yeah. Yeah. Flamping. Flamping is fly camping. Right. Um Another version of glamping, um, but the clues in the name. Um, throw a throw a tent in the back of a plane, head to cool places, remote places, fire up a barbecue, camp out, head somewhere else. So it's it's just not a form of camping. So a really really fast form of traveling while camping. Doesn't necessarily have to be fast, but mm -hmm. yeah. When's the first time you flew? And when I say flew, I mean like you were operating. Uh, it was 2014, I'm going to say 14, in around then, 14, and 15. Um, how does one get into How does one end flight? up in that situation? Yeah. So uh, moved to university, went to Queen's. Queen's had a gliding club. So the gliding club at Queen's owned a glider, a real beautiful vintage uh, K13. Uh, uh, it was a beautiful machine i don't know why i'm sorry um, i have the uh, toby mcguire's green goblin glider in my head <laughs> <laughs> which is nothing like what it was but i'm just going to keep that in my in my head as we move forward in this story okay you, you do what you want to do Matthew. um so went to university freshers fair gliding club had already decided before i came to queens that i was joining the gliding club very cool um and yeah, from that point then, they organised a, a weekend up at the gliding club at Ballerina, uh, outside up at McGilligan. So we we that was the first experience of it. Now, obviously, you kept going back, you kept going back, but the first experience was a gliding weekend up there. So you got your, the anybody's flying journey, the first flight is always referred to as an experience flight. So you get to go up, experience what it's like, understand it, uh, and go from there. So I got to I got to fly the K thirteen. Uh, I think the same day I got to fly the K twenty one, which was just a more modern version, all dual dual aircraft. Um, so you're in them with an instructor. Um, you sit tandem, one in front of the other, so the instructor's behind you over your shoulder. They fly the takeoff, they fly the landing, but once you're up in the air, they'll say you have control and talk you through flying the aircraft. Awesome. Um, once you do that for the first time, it's like a drug. Um, you're you're hooked. Um, gliding is a really, 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 really good way to get into flying. It's the gateway drug, is it? It's, it's the gateway drug. <laughs> it's it's the free wee bags. <laughs> it's, yeah, for the gateway drug and for students, it's brilliant because it's very affordable. Uh, yeah, the yeah. big thing about a glider is it doesn't have an engine. So good. Um, so, you know, what they do at Bellarina, they do what's called an aerotow. So you will have a, a powered aircraft, in their case, a, a, I think it's Piper Cub they have now. Um, basically, you'll, you'll have an airplane with an engine. You'll have a big length of rope out the back of it, <laughs> tied on to you. So it is what I had in my head. It is okay, what you yeah, had in your head. Yeah, um, yeah. Tows you up to 1,500 or 2,000 feet, releases you. And then the, the art of gliding is to remain in the air using the air currents, using um, the convection currents that float about all the different atmospheric effects that you have to keep that aircraft up in the air. So once you're up, it doesn't cost you any money to stay up. Uh, it's it's the cost of the Aeroto. And, you know, when we were at Queen's and Aeroto, off the top of my head was maybe 27, 28, 29 pound. Epic. It was, it was an evening's drinking in the speakeasy. So it was the sort of thing you could push yourself out to. And like, you know, roughly what's the longest lie you're getting off that? Now, the longest glide that I'm getting and the longest glide that other people are getting are two very different things. For obviously, I was only learning student. Um, the weather conditions play ball. Everyone plays ball. Some days, you know, you'll what you'll do what they refer to as soaring. So you'll stay in the air on the currents, on the 
on everything. Other days you'll have a sleigh ride where there's just no lift and you're straight back <laughs> down and that's you used to practice your circuits or practice lamping yeah. or practice whatever the case may be. So, but like the, there's people in Ireland, I think the Irish record and look, it's, it's a long time since I did that. So don't quote me, which is a dangerous thing to say into a microphone. But uh, I think that the Irish record was somebody flew Bellarina to Cork or somewhere down around that no area. Way. You know, it's, it's around of 300 mile in my head for some reason, but there'll be somebody more informed than me will know what it actually is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is. yeah. And they'll email Matthew and Chris. Yeah, yeah, though in, in all caps. In all caps. And it will be, yeah, actually, I flew 321 yeah, miles. Yeah, you're going to record a voice. How you're going to record a voice you? over here to now <laughs> correct what I have just said, but it's something like that. Speaking of AI, I mean, this is old news to you. I'm like way behind your curve. But, you know, there's a piece of tech a bit of software I've been using and I can just go ahead and create an AI version of my voice. So if there is something that I want edited on my podcast or if I'm doing a voiceover video, I can actually just type in the sentence I want Robot Matthew to say and it'll spit it out for me. That's cool. That's scary. But very, very cool. What is a... Now, you're going to have to give me a lot of grace here as is the person who's emailing in all caps. What is a micro... Light? Microlight. What is a microlight? A microlight is another type of aircraft. Right. It's probably your next step up from a glider. Oh, good. This is accidentally... Uh, there's, there's, yeah. me, there's a method to there's the madness? There's a method to the madness. Great. Um, your microlight... Microlight's a broad church. Um, microlight is an aircraft which is defined by its weight. Mm-hmm. Um, so historically... A microlight was always an aircraft that weighed all up under 400 kilos or 450 kilos. Mm-hmm. Recently, uh, in the last year or so, that has been changed. Um, the, the law has been changed that a microlight can now be anything up to 600 kg. Wow. So I just love to see progression among aircraft body standards. That's just really, really class. <laughs> You got me in a silly mood. Sorry. Uh, keep going. Keep going. <laughs> how, do keep, how do you keep going after that? Come on. I'll help you. So, 450 <laughs> kilos. It's been now changed to 600 kilos. Go on. <laughs> I've lost it, Matthew. Um, no, so right. I lost it a long time ago, Brendan. <laughs> Microlight. Um a microlight is any aircraft or is is a is a class of aircraft that weighs less than historically four fifty now six hundred kilos. So that's it's powered. There's an engine, yeah, and no more than two seats. Um, okay. So that's that's the definition. That's the parameter. Cool. That's the parameter, but it's a very very broad church. Um, so historically, when you said microlight, people would maybe picture. You know, a garden deck chair with a lawnmower strapped to the back. Um, <laughs> and by and large, they may not have been a million miles wrong. Yeah. Um, because that's what you had to do to keep the weight limit, to meet the weight limit. Um, nowadays, a microlight aircraft is a really impressive feat of engineering. Mm. It's a really capable aircraft. It can do anything a bigger one can do within reason. Um, You know, they're made out of Kevlar, they're made out of carbon fibre, composite structures. Um, Anywhere you can save weight, weight has been saved. You know, they're really capable, really comfortable, really safe aircraft. Um, They're not maybe what the old-fashioned picture was. Yeah. Why why would you get into doing that? Ah, because you'd already gone gliding and you're already addicted. You got the the hook. You got the hook, um, but I suppose the big step from gliding to microlights was a microlight has an engine. So you're not at the mercy of the weather as much. Mm-hmm. You have a little bit more capability in terms of where you go, when you go. Um, they're, they're, they're two different disciplines. Mm-hmm. Gliding's about staying up, about uh, you know using the atmosphere to best effect. Microlighting is is more a bit like t- what you would maybe call traditional flying. Um, it's still very low cost, very affordable flying, um, but you have that added benefit of an engine. It's wow. probably a big way to describe it. So that's 
That's the progression then for anyone who wants to get into flying after listening to this. I mean, you can go straight into microlighting. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. I'll advocate for both. Lighting's yeah. great. Yeah. Microlighting's great. I'll advocate for both. Sure. Um, depending on... Obviously, it's it's microlighting that I do now, so I'm probably going to advocate stronger <laughs> in that direction. Um, so when you go flamping, is it a microlight yeah, you're flying? Yeah. Sweet. Yeah. Very cool. Where do you... Nah, that's a wee bit too basic. I was going to ask you, like, Brendan Digney, where do you find the time to fit it all in? A better question, I think, is why do you enjoy wearing so many different hats? And I'll just, I'll punctuate. That's a good way of asking that. I'll punctuate that by saying that we're going to wrap up and do the stock questions and I'll let you go and get back to doing some real work. There's loads of things we didn't have a chance to cover today. You know, you're an avid photographer. You've got your own sports agency. I was on your website. I was like, I can't believe this guy does yet another thing that I didn't know about. You're a writer. You write for a magazine. You are a sports fanatic yourself. You've done triathlons. You've done GA, blah, 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 blah. You also are running a tech startup. You're also flying. You're also doing these many, many things. That's somebody's idea of hell. <laughs> and that's your idea of something that is close to heaven, right? It's not a perfect world we live in, but you must enjoy it. Otherwise, you wouldn't If you be didn't doing enjoy it. it, you wouldn't do it. That's the thing. So why do you enjoy wearing the different hats? Or what does it do, what does it do for you? Because plenty of people are like, look, I, I do my nine to five. <laughs> and that's me. You know what I mean? I enjoy... I what's what's, what's a nine to five? Day, I enjoy a wee drink and I enjoy a wee bet. And I'm like, great. Yeah. <laughs> Knock yourself out. What's a nine to five? Um, exactly. Yeah, but what do you, if you do a nine to five, what do you do the rest of the time? Well, well that's the thing. You know, so... Like there's a saying, a change is as good as a rest. You know, if you finish at five, you can go and do something else that you enjoy. Bit. That just adds up and adds up and adds up. You know, it's... A change is as good as a rest. Oh, that's an old saying. Yeah. That's gorgeous. Maybe that's an old country saying, but that's I've never saying. heard that before. No. So while you're going Maybe up, that's up, up the microlight, you're, you're resting your startup brain. Yeah. And when you're going and you're doing your photography, you're resting your flying brain. That's a good way of putting it. I like um, that a lot. Because if you're, if you're, use the microlight as an example. Mm. If you're flying that, and like a lot of people see, you know, a lot of people experience this, it's a mentally, you're mentally very engaged, hopefully, when you're flying. <laughs> um, you know, you're, you're, Navigating, yeah. You're actually physically manipulating the controls to fly the aircraft. You're back of your ear. You're listening to the radios that there's nothing addressed to you, or you're listening to where all the traffic is. Um, you're thinking about what's next. You're undertaking your checks on the aircraft. Mm -hmm. It's a it's a very engaged activity. Yeah. So once you do all of that, all your mental capacity is directed at the aircraft and directed at the task of flying. You're not sitting going, oh, what, what, what we'll have for lunch tomorrow or what will we, you know, there's no, there's no spare capacity there. You're, you're in that flow state. Would you agree with that? Yeah. So the same way around, if you're in the office here, your head's in the office. Yeah. If you're out on the bike, your head's on the bike. Yeah. So if you're, you know, you're, you're, you're switching between activities, you're, you're changing what you're using your mental capacity for all the time, mm -hmm. which in a certain twisted way is refreshing. Yeah, 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 yeah. But like, this is a strange thing to say, but like you strike me as a very Victorian man. Why? Yeah, please do. Cause I'm, I'm, you, you were having mental images earlier. I'm, 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 I'm having mental images of Jacob Rees-Morgan going, <laughs> Flip no. <laughs> <laughs> so we did a we did a documentary about a local guy called Samuel Davidson. He's got a blue plaque, and I really need to change my appearance. He, <laughs> <laughs> that's horrible. He uh, he was an inventor. He was a polymath. You know, he 
he invented these incredible machines. He ran this great business, but he also was an accomplished sprinter and, you know, at home invented like 50 different products and all this sort of stuff. And also was like, you know, a virtuoso on whatever his musical instrument of choice was. And what struck me like at the end of that doc was like, people just aren't really like that anymore. And it's back to your question. What do people do outside of their nine to five? And I actually, I asked that of myself too. I'm like, outside of my core craft, like, what can I do? And, I, you know, it's, it's been a you challenge to me. You can do an awful lot. You can, you can do an awful lot. But even something simple, like, you know, like, I always try to learn something new every year. And my current thing at the minute is I'm just learning how to grow vegetables because I thought, do you know what? That's a pretty handy skill to have. <laughs> but it, it's, it's opened up a whole new world to me. But what's the alternative? Like, watching TV? Going on TikTok, I feel like we're missing out. We're missing out on a lot of life. There's a lot you can do after five o'clock. It's true. Even more if you don't work. <laughs> <laughs> don't be telling anybody any entrepreneur secrets. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not insinuating this myself in any way at all. Yeah. Awesome. A change is as good as a rest. Oh, come on. That's a really common I one. never heard that, dude. Must be a Yuri one. Pff, has to be a Yuri one. It's a, what did we refer to it earlier as? The golden triangle? Golden triangle. <laughs> never heard that either. That's, that's your phrase, not mine. I made it up. I, I actually, as soon as I said it, I regretted it. Like, I wanted to make it smarter. Like, maybe even the color green. I was like, why did I go for gold? Do you know what I mean? Could have drawn something culty out of it, but no. Oh, I think you're thinking Gold Coast banger, yeah. <laughs> trying to put yourself in that sort of territory. I love how you said the Gold Coast, and then you said banger because <laughs> I thought you were going to talk about Australia. Or something. I was like, "All right, banger, fair play, fair play." No, we'd all love to be in Australia. <sighs> well, here, whenever you get your get your software and get your hardware on the the old diggers over there, you'll be flying. Literally, you'll be flying over. That's a long flight. It's been done on a microlight. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It has been done. That's crazy. There's the the, the biggest the biggest feat. There's Zara Rutherford. Um, she's just become the youngest ever female to fly around the world solo, unsupported. Wow! And I think the first to do it in a microlight. Incredible. Um, so entirely unsupported, um, around the world in a microlight aircraft. So fix it, service it herself, look after herself. Smashing. Go flapping around the world. <laughs> Very cool. Okay, a couple of stock questions, then I'll let you go. Uh, most challenging moment so far, and how were you able to overcome it? There's been a lot. Um, there's no... There is absolutely no benefit in drilling down into one particular moment. Mm-hmm. Um, and even what you define as challenging changes over time. So something that was challenging two years ago is, is maybe yeah. day-to-day regular now. So what's defined as a challenge is always evolving. Mm-hmm. Um, but you just have to get through it. You whatever whatever the problem is can usually be solved, and you just need to take your time, work through it methodically. I suppose that's the way we were always trained. Was you know if there's a problem, if something's not working, something's not right somewhere. Start at the top, work to the bottom. You'll find it along the way. May have to do that three or four times, but take that approach. But can't say that's what I use, um, <laughs> but that's what I try to use. I try to do. Uh, I love that. It's great life advice wrapped up in there too. Very, very cool. You ever heard the phrase, uh, every time you level up, the boss gets bigger? No, no. It's so true though. You know, you start a business and it's just you and you're, you know, you're, you're fighting the biggest boss ever and you're like, how am I ever going to beat this boss? And then, you know, literally, as you say, two years later, you look at that wee boss and he's puny. You know what I mean? It's like... want to go back there? Yeah, yeah. You're like, oh, these are the easy levels, bro. What are you talking about? (laughs) But it's true. What's your most successful moment so far? Depends what you define success as. Dealer's choice. 
depends what you define success as. Again, okay, it could okay, change. Okay, it okay. could change by the day of the week. Yeah, you know, you <laughs> what you define as success today could be regular tomorrow. So, depends what you're trying to achieve. What is, what are you most proud of so far? We've a great team. We've people that are happy in their work. Um, you know, you've people coming into the office saying that offer accepted on a house they're buying, mm. things like that. You love to see that. You love to see people growing, people developing, people that are uh, taking a putting their trust in machine eye to deliver for them, getting the reward of that. Yep. That'd be a good one. That is a good one. That was an absolute pro founder move there you just pulled. I appreciated that. If you take anyone from Northern Ireland out for, oh no, forget a cup of coffee. If you could bring anyone up on the microlite from Northern Ireland, dead or alive, who would you take? Where would you fly them to and why? <sighs> do, I be, do I be realistic or do I be philosophical? That's, that's the question. Whatever's weirder. Well, I'll not go weird, but I'll go interesting fact. Uh, you would probably, well, Northern Ireland legendary. I'm an engineer. I go into engineering. We have a huge engineering heritage here. Yeah. Um, you know, we've got some amazing infrastructure projects. We've got some amazing industrial heritage. One of the big things that we're really well known or Northern Ireland is really uh, well known around the world for is Harry Ferguson. Mm -hmm. um, he's most well known as the inventor of the modern three-point linkage, mechanized farming, the Ferguson tractor changed, changed the world in terms of how we farm, in terms of how we produce food, mechanization, etc. Um, but the other less known fact, it is known, but it's less known, is that he was the first person to fly in Northern Ireland or in Ireland. Mm -hmm. um, he flew on the on the beach at Newcastle in an aircraft that he designed himself. Um, so a really amazing engineer, yeah. um, you know, really cool person. So if you want somebody dead, <laughs> <laughs> you'll go Harry Ferguson. If you want somebody that's still alive, there's there's any number of people that you could yeah. you could pick from. Yeah, that's cool. There's a they put a new park around the off the lake in Hillsborough. Yes, and my wee girl loves loves going there. Loves seeing the ducks. Loves playing in the park, but in the park there's a big tractor with a slide running mm -hmm. down it, and there's mm -hmm. an airplane that you can get mm -hmm. on top of as well. Yeah, side of the road at Hillsborough there too. Just before you go into the underpass, there's a replica of his plane, the the, the Ferguson, right. the Ferguson yes. flyer, on the mighty A one. Oh, on the mighty A one. The A one has been the the it's, core it's, thread of this conversation. It's do you know it it, it just shows <laughs> the how backbone. it just shows how often I'm on it. That's how bad <laughs> that's how bad it is. I can nearly tell you what each signpost says. <laughs> awesome. All right, Brandon. Final question. If you could dun, go dun, back dun, dun, in time to an 18-year-old version of yourself, what would you say to him? What advice would you give him? No idea. No idea. Don't start drinking coffee. It'll cost, <laughs> it'll cost you a fortune. <laughs> Stick to water. All right. Ready? Bonus question. Think about it, okay? Like, there's a long silence here. There always is. Just lean into it. And we're looking for gut reactions, okay? There's no perfect answer to this. Your initial thought... I'm nervous now. Whenever I ask you, what is the kindest thing that someone's ever done for you? You're right, it is a big silence. That was really short. I haven't answered. Usually I'm sitting here like free-falling in podcast limbo for like two minutes. Yeah, but I haven't given you an answer. I'm going to take the safe answer. And I'm going to say there's so many little piece of pieces of kindness every day uh -huh. that they add up and you should... Be thankful and take advantage of each little bit of kindness. You should pay it forward. You should try to introduce it into what you do each day. Uh -huh. So it would be wrong to pick one individual example. 
Oh, give us something. Come on. I give you. You give, like, <laughs> what you said was incredibly true, like, genuinely true. But give me something. There are, with a startup head on. Great. There we've are, niched it down. We've, we've narrowed, it we've down. narrowed the lens. That's, that's a great strategy. There's, there's, there's people who are incredibly generous with their time. Mm. And there's people who will bend over backwards to help you out. Yeah. Um, so there, there have been people who have done an awful lot for us. Yeah. Without any thanks or recognition or asking for any kudos or anything like that. Um, and those are the, like, if anybody hard, as we said, hardware is hard, Yeah. but startups are also hard. <laughs> so if, you know, all those little bits of kindness, whether it's, uh, you know, somebody making an intro, somebody doing a wee bit of work, yeah. you know, doing something pro bono, they all add up. Uh, they're all greatly appreciated. Um, and they're really good examples of what we should be trying to do ourselves. Uh, if we can help somebody out, help another startup out, it's something we should be doing because we have benefited from it at some stage, um, at some stage in history. Boom. There it is. Brandon, thank you so much. Really appreciate your time. Awesome. You nailed it. Really at the good. End. And you, oh, no, and you, and no, you did look, something else. You weren't going to let, you gonna like, let me out of this room. This is it. As you, soon as you started, I was like, boom, there it is. Look, you weren't going to let me out of this room until I came up with something. <laughs> Even though you're in my office. <laughs> we're good of you. We're good enough to let you in here every so often. <laughs> oh, brother.